Okay, I think we're ready. Hi, welcome to Chill Track Friday. I'm Anne. And I'm Ali. What are we talking about here today? We're going to talk about, first of all, not going out too fast. It's become a theme in our running lives, but generally we're going to talk about all things running related. And um, basically we are amateur runners who have come to the sport a little bit later in life and just really enjoying it and having a wonderful time and learning so much about the sport and ourselves as we go through the process of training for races. And, um, you know, it's a hobby for us and we've come to incorporate it into a life where we have full-time jobs and family and also lots of other things going on. So we want to share all of the things that you and I talk about with other people. We are amateur runners, but we are also very amateur podcasters. Just so people know, this is episode one, and it's been an ordeal to get the mics to work. <laughs> you might um, be able to tell. Yeah, you might be able to tell by all the background noise, but we'll we'll figure it out. We'll hit our stride as we're going. Um, so we're calling no this intended. Chill Track Friday. Kind of a coded name because it's a little bit of an internal name that we came up with based on a phenomenon that took place this past summer. Where does that story begin? If people want to know, like, why Chill Track Friday... What is it? Yeah. Well, it's a name that we termed kind of as a joke because um, we do, it started in the beginning of 2018 while I was training for Boston and you were training for the New York City half. And we were both doing very intense, advanced programs. And we had a lot of miles to do and a lot of hard work in order to try to achieve the goals that we were pursuing. And personally, I love running my workouts on the track. In fact, my coach calls me a track runner who doesn't run track races and we might try to change that. Um, but so I did a lot of my interval work on the track up at Riverbank and you joined me and we did lots of tempo runs on Thursdays. And then Friday was always our easy day. And, and then we'll, something would happen. We'll do our Friday easy runs on the track and then Go, because it was winter time, we'll go to a nearby cafe called Two Dollar everything. everything, which <laughs> <laughs> we we thought initially that it might be a front for something because how could everything be two dollars? But then we got in, we're like, oh, a large coffee is two, a small coffee is two, you know, a cinnamon twist is two, and so is a really large banana bread loaf. So. It's funny. This is actually the first example of our don't go out too fast because the inclination was to buy everything as, you know, the large coffee, all of the cinnamon <laughs> twists, all of the bread. Slow down. So we would actually sit there. It was it was a really nice way of having a mental cool down after putting in all the hard work throughout the week, um, doing the tempo runs, the speed work, um, and then coming back here and just talking about how the week went, how the running's going, not just that, but talk about everything else. Or, you know, I work as an experienced designer. You work as a... I'm an art historian. I work in a gallery. So we talk a lot about our work and how that crossed over. Talk about our other runners. Um, we're both coaches, so we'll talk about, uh, talk about that too. But then after the Boston Marathon, the story evolved. Something happened because... <laughs> We didn't have to go to the cafe, actually. We could now go to the track and stay at the track because the weather was nice. 
So we thought of something while we were at, at $2 everything. What was, what was our first venture going to be? The first enterprise was going to be we were going to have a coffee cart at the track for us and anyone else who might want coffee, but there weren't that many people there. <laughs> and we thought, we thought, okay, yeah, well, that's a great idea. Why not, why not have, a, have a coffee cart at the track? But then we realized we might be our only customers and you know, get high our, on our own supply and <laughs> run ourselves out of business pretty quick. <laughs> So the idea then was, I'm kind of a coffee snob. I really like coffee and good coffee. So I decided to bring coffee to the track so we could just chill out and enjoy the sun and talk about our week. So I uh, really recently got into oat milk around the time of Boston. And so I would bring oat milk lattes iced and I even made the simple syrup. (laughs) So it's like gourmet coffee at a really funny, funny track. And we'd sit there in the sun, and it was really wonderful. It was just sort of decompressing. And Boston was a big, was a big effort last year. And you had you had been there with me, and you had also run a really amazing New York City half. So it was really a celebration. We we took the time to still put in miles. The intensity dropped, but the fun was there. And we spent so many wonderful mornings. Also, Friday, I have summer summer hours on Friday, so I got to go into work an hour late, so we got to hang out for an extra hour. And, um, you know, it sort of evolved into chatting about all sorts of things. And you're a wonderful photographer, and you started taking photographs of, you know, us hanging out, our, our shoes, the coffee, and, you know, the so often the light there is really beautiful and you, you take amazing photographs. So we also have this, we have this wonderful um, sort of picture book of what was happening. And it's funny because if anyone looked at the photos, they might all look the same. But when you and I look at them, we're like, Oh, that was the day when this happened. Or that was the day when we ran this, this run around the track. So we realized like we'd sit there and talk about everything else. Actually Friday became a pretty important thing in our training cycle, which was pretty cool because it was an easy day we'll do like whatever three miles four miles six miles sometimes one mile sometimes just (laughs) to the track (laughs) just one mile to the track and drink coffee with a backpack full of three thermoses of coffee (laughs) sometimes we'll have our coach come in um who join us uh and join the conversations afterwards um that would take us all over the place we'll engage other runners on the track which you know we met some some people training for some really aggressive goals, which was amazing to watch. And uh, we got a surprise visit from Radio Rahim. Radio Rahim. Yeah, maybe we can get him on this podcast somehow. That would be interesting. <laughs> um, so we thought, we, we realized that as we were talking a lot about this, we, it was almost part of, it was like we were growing by talking about all of these things because it had become part of our running. And, um, and we wanted to bring that conversation, make it bigger and bring it back to the running community. And it was kind of our way of giving back. And hence this podcast is coming or, you know, stemming from that concept, bringing it to the greater running community to start some kind of a, you know, or continue the stimulating conversation. So what can people expect from this podcast? Well, we're going to talk about a lot of different things uh, from the nuts and bolts of running, like training plans and scheduling to, I mean, something that was really has been very valuable to me for our Chill Track Friday hangout sessions is the mental side of training and decompressing before and after races and getting into that zone and really kind of, you know, I, I tend to write 
essays after I've run a big race, but it takes a while for all of the lessons to percolate and come to the top. And what I found is that in our Chill Track Friday sessions, we talk so much about what worked and having that hindsight and then being able to apply that forward. So there's going to be a lot of just talking about, you know, analysis and how we approach our racing and how we can balance wanting to be the best that we can be while also not putting too much pressure on ourselves that it interferes. And that's something that is such a life valuable lesson that I see in other parts of my, of, of my life and my work and relationships with family and friends and things. So um, and we're also going to talk about injuries and, you know, that's a huge thing, setbacks and obviously coffee today. Coffee is of- always on the table during this podcast, <laughs> at Chill Track Friday, after every run, all the time. Um, we should, I, I just want to mention one thing. We will get back to what to expect. Yeah. Um, the whole coffee thing is not, I don't want people to think like we invented this coffee thing after running, right? Because it actually, we have a much larger group that we run with and this started years ago where we would always every Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is not a Friday mm-hmm. <laughs> every Tuesdays and Thursdays where we'll have coffee with our greater group. And then that kind of spilled into, you know, us being training partners, doing, continuing that tradition on Fridays, but doing it on a track. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because, um, in the book peak performance by, uh, Steve Magnus and Brad Stuhlman, they talk about how recovery happens. Like as soon as you start, or actually rather, sorry, as soon as you finish your workout and that actually decompressing with a group of people over whether it be breakfast or some kind of social gathering speeds up the recovery process. And I remember when I first read that, I said, yes, we're sanctioned. (laughs) We're sanctioned by experts. So we never felt guilty about sitting at the track for two hours. Yeah. What else to expect? We will have guest speakers who are like us. Um, We have a really good and really tight um running group that we run with we have you know people with all sorts of professions um doctors chef um other art dealers um attorneys attorneys runs the entire gamut so we'll, we'll have we'll have guests who are like us and talk about their journey and what works for them what hasn't worked for them what they have learned how they've grown we may also have professionals we have a retired olympian who's going to join us and we're hoping to also have you know people in the uh, sports medicine industry pts and i don't know if we'll get an orthopedist on here but if there's an orthopedist who wants to come on please let us know i think we'll find one yeah yeah Uh, massage therapists, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of, I, I think you do as well. I can speak for both of us. We like to take a very holistic approach to our training and our recovery. So it's not just running and it's not just, um, the tactical stuff. There's a lot of, you know, recovery, especially as I'm a master's runner. So I'm finding that in quote, I'm doing air quotes, my later years, (laughs) recovery is going to be a big thing in nutrition and sleep and things like that. So people that can speak to that from more of a technical point of view. I mean, for me, it's, and one aspect that this podcast is going to have is this sort of, you know, we are not, we are coaches, we're trained as coaches and we're trained in our fields of expertise, but our running is really for me, especially like trial and error. Like we're not going to talk to you as if we know everything we're going to talk to you based on our experience and what's worked for us. 
And then we're going to bring people in that do have that expertise that can either say yes and maybe try this as well or that doesn't work from a scientific perspective or, you know, a psychological perspective. Um, everyone's different. And I think that's the magic of running is that what might work for me might not work for you. And I learn from what you do and you've learned from what I do. And Absolutely. I just yeah. want to share that. I think one one thing we were talking about, and you had said, um, you mentioned this at the beginning, We are, the, the general theme of our podcast is, this is where we talk about not going out too fast. Um, and how does that, but at the same time, you know, we're all trying to grow our potential, trying to find that mm-hmm. edge. So how do you do that while not going out too fast? You know, I think the other side of the coin is, we'll talk about when you know to crank it up, mm-hmm. to find that edge. Um, I have a question for you. So in the larger grander scheme of things, what does not going out too fast mean to you? Like not necessarily only from a race perspective. Ooh, what does that mean to me? I think, um, to me, the word, when when you asked that question, the word that immediately popped in my head was trusting the process. Um, and that doesn't mean like what it is. I don't mean specifically trusting the training process of running. That's one, but about anything else in life. Um, I've tried to incorporate what I've incorporated, whatever I've learned in running to everything of all other aspects of my life. So um, trusting the process, um, showing up, keep showing up and being consistent. So I think that those are kind of the two important things that I really attach to not going out too fast. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And I see that like every time my most successful races have been exactly that where we all get nervous on the starting line um starting line of a major life change starting line of a race um and but if you trust the process i think you'll you'll realize it doesn't matter how long it takes at the end you'll have you'll have the opportunity to um see see your successes and be proud of yourself that's really nice for me Part of, in addition to what you said, I agree, absolutely everything. The example I always think of is how crowded the gym is in January. And it's easy to come up with all sorts of goals and resolutions and things that you want to do in addition to your running. And how long can one sustain something that's, if it's, if it's vastly different from what you're doing before. For me, going out too fast is often setting myself up for something that I can't sustain. So it's about being realistic about my expectations within within the framework of knowing what I need to do to get to where I want to be and being in this for the long haul and life. Like I want to be a lifelong runner, even though I started a little bit later. So it's about balance really. And like you said, you know, showing up and, ha- you know, dealing with the conflicting feelings of the nervousness and also the requirement to be calm in order to get out of your own way, really. To get out of your own way. I really like that. And I've seen that so many times with myself, with other people. And if I just center it on running, like how they feel at the starting line. And then when they finish, they go either hit their goal or go beyond beyond that. And they're like, that that feeling. And you, if you look at the way they possibly, you know, executed their, their plan, you're like, oh, you didn't go out too fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of finished really, really strong. So that's, that's incredible to see. And it's interesting, like you brought up the idea of trusting and that's a perfect example of it. 
is we put in all this hard work and then the nerves come and (laughs) all of the pros say when you get to the start line to trust your training, but Mm -hmm. that's a leap of faith. It's a real leap of faith to not only trust your training, but trust that you can execute what you've been practicing. It reminds me of your Fred LeBeau half from last year, 2018 Fred LeBeau half at the start. Um, just like, you know, you'll have usual nervousness. You, you had the usual nervousness at the start, but then after the race, you hit your goal, and then you're like, the first six miles felt so easy. Like, I was trying to hold back the whole time. Um, and then, obviously, you cracked it up at the end, which was kind of incredible to see. That, Thank you for bringing that race up, because it was an interesting... I learned so much from that race, because so much of me wanted to speed up, and I didn't, and then it was like a light switch went off at mile 10. It just became so hard. And I did that race with pacers. So I learned a lot from that race, but just that, you know, had I sped up even maybe five or 10 seconds for those first 10 miles, I might not have been able, that was my first sub, um, sub 90 half. And it wasn't even one that I, you know, I had been sick. I'd had several consecutive 20-mile weeks. So I went into that being like, oh, gosh, <laughs> what's going to happen here? I might feel, like, terrible. And uh, So I'm going to bring us back. Yes. Yeah. These are the um, things we're actually talk just about. going back. I think it's actually a great segue of, of the question you asked, like, what does it mean to not go out too fast? And then all the things we talked about. It's a great segue on who this podcast is for. I think it's for everybody um, it's obviously for the recreational, everyday recreational runner who have day jobs of like working eight, nine, ten. If you're a doctor, possibly twelve hours a day, um, um, but still fitting in, running, still th- looking at your ear hol- holistically, looking at a, you know, running races, putting out a racing strategy and everything that goes with that. Um, so I think this podcast is for um, all of those people and. Hopefully, we'll we'll talk about what our process has been and how we have been trying to balance that. Um, and hopefully, that'll give something to everybody uh, to learn learn something from. And then, um, how <laughs> Chill Track Friday has become such an important part of that for us. Yeah, and in many of the conversations that you and I have had, we've talked about other podcasts that we listen to, and a lot of them are either hosted by high, high, high achieving, either amateur high achieving or professional runners who are retired or, you know, and we were saying that we can relate up to a certain point. I mean, I've, I don't know if that's the intention, but I often feel like sometimes there's a large divide between amateur and pro. And I think that we're trying to fit right in the middle there where we are very driven people and all of the people that we're friends with and run with are similarly driven and high achieving in their careers and in their desire to become better athletes. And so this podcast is really for the, for that type of person or the person that aspires to do that and like try to see, see what their limit is. Like for me, it's like finding that edge and how far can I push that and it begin, it continues to become further than I think that it is. So I'm going to continue to seek that edge. And I think that that is one of the most, the richest things that I've found in running. And so trying to offer a platform for relating and finding your people like this. I hope people find this podcast because we, we, 
I think we represent people and we have a wonderful running family that we have found. Are we saying we are hoping that all of our listeners find their own chill track Friday yes. at some point? <laughs> it's, it's, Imagine if like we start getting pictures from everybody, coffee on the track, <laughs> some of them spill it. Please do. <laughs> I've said to you so many times that chill track Friday has become what is the, one of the greatest gifts in my life. It's just such a wonderful time. Yeah. If To the listeners, if you guys want to see some of the photos, you can go to our website. Um, to check out, I think some of it, it really embodies what Chill Track Friday is. The, the the photos really show what they are, especially after you after you've listened to it, you'll you'll kind of see what that's about. They're kind of the goofy side of us on Fridays when we are just you know hanging out and um, we've done all the other work, just like we said before. Yeah, there's some pretty funny stuff that goes on there. But as we said, we put in a lot of hard work at the track, so it's our time to really celebrate and. It highlights the importance of recovery, and we both take recovery really seriously, and that's something that um, can easily slip away when you're sort of in this community of high achieving, and there's always a race to run, and you know, recovery it, is really important. It actually, just as you were saying that, it made, made me think about accountability. People always talk about having a training partner or a training group to keep you accountable. I think the reverse of that is also true, where if you're doing it right, they'll keep you accountable for recovery as well. Absolutely. Not just for like showing up for the interval runs and the tempo runs. Well, you have the most valuable and um, talented recovery coach that anyone could possibly have. And who is that? That is my five-year-old French bulldog <laughs> who doesn't, you know, she, she, I, started as initially as a joke, but then I, I really mean it. Like I work from home um, on, on, on Fridays. So even during like hard training days on, on weekends and on Fridays, I would watch her all day. And she's just, she takes naps really seriously. Like it's her thing. And in the mornings, it's really hard to get her out of bed to go for a walk. And I was like, wow, like you just, this is like the other side of you know, if if she's out for like two hours, sometimes we'll go for a really long walk and when she'll come back, she'll be like, okay, it's time to do the yin and yang thing and she'll just go to sleep for a really long time and I'm really inspired by her. So we'll take naps together, make sure that all the hard work is um, resolved, if you will, and all the repairs take place because um, she inspires me to do that. My favorite recovery tactic that Dee, Dee instills is as soon as you roll out the yoga mat she does her yoga stretches literally you have to put that photo on the website i i want to try to catch it on video it's not that hard because she does it without (laughs) fail every single time you roll out the yoga mat and she comes out and does her downward dog with the leg back leg stretch it's amazing she does what position is that i forget it's like the uh downward dog split downward dog split it's amazing so people might be wondering who we are who are you ali so, I'm a New York Roadrunners coach right now, so are you. Um, and should I talk about my running journey, I guess? Yeah. People might know, like, how it, how it all started. Um, my running journey, it's kind of interesting. If I think back, it's like, it's a little bit of a blur, but it grew really organically out of other fitness things that I was doing at work. We... At work, we had this program where every year we would train 
since I think 2015 or 14, every year we would train a team of, I don't know, a bunch of coworkers to do the Tough Mudder and the company would pay for it. It was like a team building exercise. So for that, to leading up to the Tough Mudders, we would um, do Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday workouts in Central Park or Chelsea Park, depending on what time of year. And every time we would do those workouts, I would usually run home, started running home from the workouts. Um, <clears throat> and from that, and I mean, there was nothing else to just like, oh, okay, I'll just run three miles and then take the train. And then <laughs> four weeks later, I'll run four miles and then take the train. And then as part of that, um, I was, I had no idea about like the racing scene in New York or anywhere for that matter. I had never raced and I, um, while we were doing this Tough Mudder stuff, the corporate challenge came on for 2015. And I had a coworker at the time who used to be a track runner in, um, in at his school. And he wrote a program for everybody, like whoever wants to do, whoever, whoever wants to train for uh, the corporate challenge. And it was like a 10-week program with some speed work. Some t- I had no idea. He sent me this spreadsheet where you put in a bunch of information. And I was like, oh, I want to... Corp- that was the only year the corporate challenge wasn't three and a half miles. It was actually a 5K. So I was like, oh, if I can, the, the training plan started with like, go run an all out 5K and put your time in. So I went out now being an amateur, I ran it in the Fort Tryon Park and it had a lot of hills <laughs> and I, it took me like 33 minutes to do it. And I was like, okay, so if I go, my goal was to go under 30 30 minutes at, at the 5k itself. And, um, which now I realize there's a big sub 30 group. Anyway, we can talk about that later. Um, and I set that round number goal for myself and went through the training cycle. I had no idea like what a time trial meant or what (laughs) intervals were or tempo pace or how to do any of that. Anyway, I, I still went through the training cycle and, uh, ran the race and I did come in under 30 minutes and I was like, Oh, I guess this works. May I interrupt you for a second? Sure. Because uh, I know you and I know you're running. So you came in under 30. And what is your current 5K PR? Um, 19.15. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So anyway, that, that's how it started. And then I continued on. Like the Tough Mudder Fitness grew, grew every year. And then I would just keep doing that. And I kept running through the winter. I just kind of started enjoying it. And it grew organically. Um, and then I had a coworker in end of 2016 was like, you need, you need coaching. Like you're running all on your own. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. You need coaching so you can take this to the next level. And then at the time I couldn't afford like a private coach. So I, I don't remember how, but somehow I stumbled on the New York Roadrunners website and joined group training. And that was the same year I ran my first New York Roadrunners race was the dash to the finish 5k. And yeah. what was your time on the dash? Do you remember? Um I think it was 2208. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And then I joined group training and the rest is history. It's kind of grown from there. And I remember the first day you showed up to group training. I very much remember that too. We were doing 400s on the 72nd Street Transverse and it was cold and was it possibly there was snow on the ground. There was snow and ice on the ground. 72nd Street Transverse. We don't usually do it there, but we had to do them there because all, everything else was iced. I also very vividly remember that there was a 
de-icing truck or a vehicle parked on 72nd that was oh yeah that was <laughs> sending all sorts of fumes right in the oh like at God, the 200 right. meter mark like we that's were going right. through these whatever asphyxiating ourselves while running yep yeah that's so funny yeah i remember thinking like who's this new guy running right next to me <laughs> And here oh, we are. I was thinking the opposite. I was like, oh my God, I'm trying to chase her, but like, I'm going to kill myself trying to chase her. Obviously, so I'm not ready. That's so funny. Well. Was... How did your journey start? Well, I started running in 2011 as an activity of itself. I was always athletic as a kid. I played tennis and I played field hockey. And I was the field hockey goalie, actually, and I hated it. It was so stressful. And I used to cry every time I got scored on. Fortunately, we were a good team, so we didn't get scored on much, but I did cry every time. And I used to pray for thunder and lightning so that the games would get canceled. <laughs> so I did not pursue field hockey in college. So I I kind of, um, I just kind of let my athletics go to the side. I always was someone that went to the gym and it was more like punishment. I would get on the elliptical and be like, penance for partying. <laughs> and uh, so then in 2011, I... Uh, I had been, I had applied for a job at a museum in New York and I was waiting to hear if I got the job and I didn't get the job. And I remember that day so vividly. It was a beautiful September afternoon and, you know, I was holding on to the ho the hope of getting this job because I was in a job that I was not happy in. And so I had put a lot of pressure on it as like my lifeline and I didn't get it. And I was really upset. I was angry and I was sad and I was really forlorn and kind of at my wits end. I didn't, I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I had all this pent up energy and I remember um, I was digging through my closet and I, I didn't own running shoes at the time. And I found this old pair of Pumas <laughs> that I had bought on Carnaby Street when I lived in London. And the there's holes in the sides and the soles were all worn out and I put them on and had some like random running outfit on. And I ran as fast as I could around Prospect Park and uh, I got home and I remember I walked in and I just felt better. I had expended something, something, you know, something felt different. And then Did I, you record that run by any chance? Or it was just like you just went out and ran? I, I didn't record it, but I know that I eventually knew what my benchmarks for getting around Prospect Park was. So I think it was around like 28 or 29 minutes, which, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. what It's like 3.3 miles. So um, I just remember actually being glad that I got around Prospect Park. There's a big hill like I'd never run in there before. And it was it's a beautiful park. It's actually my favorite. It's my favorite because that's where I first started running. And I know that park really well. So um, at the time, my friend Jim Mutton and uh, Jim hoped to get you on the podcast. He was doing his nine plus one for, for New York City Marathon. And he encouraged me to run with him. So I would join him on the weekends and try to do long runs with him. Uh, and he he convinced me to sign up for the Jingle Bell Jog that year. So that was December of 2011. And that was my first race. And um, that, that used to be a 6K, right? It was 6K, which is like 3.72. Some That's running nerd's going to be like, it's 3.7282. <laughs> yeah. And it was so fun. It was so much fun. I, yeah, I was hooked. Definitely hooked, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And, um, that actually ended up being my best pace in my New York Roadrunners um, account for many years. I think I did like 825s or something. And I remember feeling 
like I didn't know anything about pace, but I just remember feeling that I had expended a lot and that I felt good and the energy of the race, you know, it got me hooked. And then I started running the next race. As you do, you go from a 6K to a half marathon. <laughs> I did the Brooklyn half the next year. <laughs> totally natural. Yeah, totally natural. You know, talk about... So your 6K don't go out was like fast. an 820s? Um, I'm sorry, the 6K? The six, the 6K, that Jingle Bell jog was Yeah, like... actually, I looked it up. It was 825s. Okay. 825 was my average pace. And uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty... And then I did the Brooklyn half. And this is a total amateur story. That was back in the day when they still used D tags. And I forgot to put my D tag on my shoe. So it's not even recorded anywhere, but I know. And Jim mm-hmm. ran it with me. So we had the same pace. We did like 205 something. And, um, you know, I'll talk about that race. That was my first half. But, and I was terrified. I'll talk about that another can time. Can we talk about your last race? Like um, the 10 miler at Bronx? What was your average pace there? Oh, yeah. That was um, unexpectedly 624. Pace. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> cool. So we'll figure this out as we go. I think that's it for today. Yeah, just some nuts and bolts. Um, we we don't have like a time structure to this. Is some are going to be longer than others, and some are going to be shorter. But there's one thing, which is that they're going to come out every Friday because it's Chill Track Friday. Yes. And we'll be discussing a little bit of coffee today. We're drinking Jamaican coffee. Yes. <laughs> Called Blue Mountain. I recently went to Jamaica, so I brought it back. So in case we need sponsors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blue and Mountain's one. It should make us go really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about start. Trying, Cheers, mate. Trying not to go out too fast. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. So I think that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. It's just, it's really a sneak peek at what's to come. Um... We just wanted to kind of lay a foundation for people to know what's what's coming um, in, in these episodes. So once again, thanks for listening. And if you want to support what we're doing, <clears throat> well, you, you don't have to leave a review yet. Uh, <laughs> wait for a few episodes you've listened to and actually like. And, Unless it's really or, good. You know, even if you don't like it, let us know what you don't like about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, leave us a review on, on, on iTunes when, when, when you think um, you can, or, you know, subscribe, share this, spread the word. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode of Chill Track Friday. Thank you. Have a good week. Happy Bye. running. <laughs>